The Cinesnob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Cody, once again, we're going to talk about end of watch, our end of watch screening. It's coming up Monday, Monday, February 27th, 7.30 p.m., Alamo Drafthouse Park North. Tell the listeners a a little bit about end of watch. So End of Watch was a movie that came out, I think, back in 2011. Um, 2012 with... is what we have here, I believe. Oh. Well, it was with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. And um, I remember that screening very specifically because um, it was just me and Kiko in the theater when we saw it. And, um, like, like, we didn't know what to expect. You know, it was a studio film. Um, I think it's Universal. And so we were kind of – we didn't go in with expectations, and I remember us watching it and being on the edges of our seats, like just kind of looking at each other like something really bad is going to happen here, and I don't know (laughs) what it is. And just the tension that's in there, um, you know, we've talked a lot about found footage movies and kind of the first-person camera type stuff, and, you know, the intensity in this movie is crazy, and it's super realistic, and it's uh, it's cholo villains are super scary in it, so (laughs) – uh, it's just it's super gritty and um, a movie that I really like. It was in my top ten that year, and uh, I'm excited to get to see it again because it's been a few years. It's uh, directed by David Ayer, who most notably um, directed uh, the train wreck that was Suicide Squad. Uh, he also uh, directed Fury with Brad Pitt in 2014, and was uh, the writer of uh, Training Day and the original uh, The Fast and the Furious. If you can believe that. Oh, um- I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either until I looked it up back, just now. Back when it was a car movie? Back when it was a car movie and not uh, Secret Agents uh, Saving the World. It, it's, it is kind of crazy how many hands he's got in uh, franchises with that. I mean, I, I assume he just gets residuals from the characters of uh, of uh, Fast and the Furious, but... Was he a, was he was an was he shit? <laughs> Is he an ex executive producer on that by any chance? Uh let's see what his credits are. I, I mean, I don't. I would imagine. Um, let's see, producer. Uh, I don't see any EP credits on there, but he um, was a co-producer of Training Day, co-producer, co-producer, producer of End of Watch. Yeah, he wrote for, Training Day. Right, um, and he wrote U five seven one. I I remember liking that movie. I don't remember much about it, but did you ever see that? The Matthew McConaughey World War II submarine movie? I did not see it. I, I remember when it came out, though. Anyway, um, he's he's had a, a, hit, a hand in a, a lot of distinguished movies and well-regarded movies, and now he's on the Suicide Squad, uh, uh, what would you call that, train to, to Shitsville? Oh, I mean, it's uh, making yeah. tons of money, and it's hugely popular, but... They're terrible movies. So, anyway, uh, go see a good movie uh, from David Ayer, uh, from writer director David Ayer. End of Watch. That is on Monday, February twenty seventh, seven thirty p.m. Alamo Drafthouse Park North. Tickets are it's five dollars to reserve a seat, and that gets uh, that's counted as a uh, voucher towards your food. So you're basically seeing the movie for, movie for free and getting five dollars to spend on food. Uh, You can get your tickets at DraftHouse.com. Let's go ahead and start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the Internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. 
devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no. They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is kind of <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulk Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 96 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. And it's Oscar weekend, Cody. Can you feel the excitement? No, not not really. It's a, it's a fairly predictable Oscar year, I think. So, um, you know, it seems like every year when a movie's about to waltz to Best Picture, there's a little bit of blowback. And uh, we'll talk about it in a bit, but I think that it's it's sort of, are like uh like really getting in the way of some of the Oscar buzz right now. It, well, you get the inevitable backlash of uh you know, a movie that kind of captures the the award season vibe and then you get the people saying that, you know, it, it's not as good as that or whatever, this is better. Um I I'm bummed again that I'm going to have to miss uh our pal Kiko's annual Oscar party uh for the second year in a row being in Austin. Mm, um, yeah it's just it's too big of a uh it, the show the show goes too late and i'd be getting back at you know one in the morning by the time everything's all said and done yeah it, and that inevitably always happens we are always running late and and by the everything by the time everything's done we're leaving at 11 or later <laughs> and you uh did you win the pool last year I would, dude, I win every year. No, I beat you. Uh, you beat me once. Yeah, I think I beat you the last year I was there, or the year before. Yeah, this, this, yeah, yeah. I've won a prize every time that I've been there, um, either first or second. Well, it, it helps though that we're <laughs> that uh, Kiko excludes himself and excludes mm -hmm. uh, his wife. And yeah, but Kiko also does this thing where he enters picks for his children. Yeah. So it, he gets he gets like alternative universe picks where he can uh be a little <laughs> um a little bit more. I mean and and a lot of times we're I mean it's not like all of us are movie people there. Sometimes we're we're up against people who have seen like five movies the entire year. Right, right. Yeah. Uh I but I mean it's still it's still a contest and I still win. Well, so. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying that uh, of the 15 people that are there, you maybe have like three people that are even close to solid competition. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, back in the back in the years where you were there, it was basically you versus me versus Kiko, and, that was <laughs> and Kiko would it. recuse himself. So uh, he would. But Kiko win. also never won, so he can recuse himself all he wants. I, I remember. I remember. Uh, I think the last DVD. It was like he puts like a DVD in a pa in a bag and. Mm -hmm. Prize pack. I think I got Gremlins. Was my oh prize. yeah, solid solid prize right there. Yeah, I've I've had some good ones over the years. I think the last one last year I got Close Encounters. Ooh, another solid one. I mean, they're all like like well worn. He's not going to throw in like some shit that we don't like, like Magnolia or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're they're pretty general. And then there's the last place prize, which I remember last year was Baby Geniuses one and two. <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a Walmart 388 bin pick, if there ever was one. 
Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about the Oscars um, coming up in a second. Do we have anything else to promote along the way? My new microphone. Oh, yeah, Cody, you got a new microphone. Everybody, let us know how Cody sounds. He yeah, finally, give us the feedback because I spent, <laughs> spent money. How much did you did that set you back? It was a little, I was a little over $100. Oh, that's not bad. Nah, but I but I mean it's got to sound a lot better or else I it's money down the turlet. Well, uh I I have a uh you're in the uh the blue microphone uh mm-hmm. family now. You have the Yeti. Uh I use the Spark. Spark's a little more retro looking. Uh kind of has that uh that old radio like sitting on Johnny Carson's desk vibe. But you don't use it for this show, right? Uh, no, not anymore. Well, I use it, I'm use. i using it to talk to you, right? I'm actually talking into two microphones right now, is how my setup oh. works here. Oh, I, oh, you're using it over Skype. Right, me. right. So how do I sound to you? You sound okay, but you sound clearly on Skype. Yeah, but uh, uh, I have two microphones side by side here. I don't know a better way to do it. If somebody has a better way to do it where I only have to use one microphone in this board... Please tell me, but as for right now, I, I don't have a I don't have an alternative to to get the mic output. And you know what? The sad thing is, I did fucking audio for years. And I have no <laughs> idea because yeah. every every single board is different. That's one of those things that every single microphone setup and board setup in the world. I don't care how good of an audio technician you are. You can walk in like to some place that has a a. a different board than what you use and you have no fucking clue what's happening yeah i keep hoping that skype gets to the point where like um like you can't tell that it's on skype and so far it's not quite there i've heard Uh, that there's a and i've never looked into it but i've heard you can pay a little bit of money and get a better connection really uh i don't know that it's necessarily worth it yeah, I would like to at some point to see if Google Hangouts is any better. Yeah. In terms of quality, there's got to be a way to do it. I mean, like, I mean, it sounds great, but <clears throat> damn it, it, it sounds great, but it's it sounds a little like, uh, what's the word I'm looking? Digital. You yeah. Know? Like you can tell that there's there's a like a little bit of um processing going on. Pro- yeah, exactly. So uh, um, what? Oh, go ahead. I didn't know. Finish your. Your sentence. I'm sorry. Well, the other thing too is that I have new internet being installed on t- tomorrow, actually, so that might actually improve some things a little bit as well. Man, look at you moving up in the world. Got a new microphone. Fiber, fiber internet, man. I, I did it. I went for it. It's AT and T fiber. AT and T fiber. Man, yeah. Look at you. Living Gigabit. The life of Riley. You. I yeah. Don't know what that means. I don't uh, <laughs> you know, this is a little inside podcasty stuff. I wish there was a better way to do this uh, without having a lot of equipment. It seems like it seems like in our in this day and age, we should be able to have like a a portable audio studio that sounds great. And, I agree. And maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe we're just not looking in the right places, but. Uh, well, but also we have the added challenge of being in two different places. You know, back when we were in the same room, we didn't have that problem. And then, you know, there's like this mic, the the Yeti has a bi-directional function to where, you know, if you're sitting across from someone, the mic's going to pick up both things. It's going to sound pretty good. So we could have been face to face over this blue over this uh, blue Yeti. 
just chatting away. Just just making chit chat. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, that's inside podcast talk. But but I feel like it's it's got to be there because have you ever had like a like a Facebook audio call with someone? Like it's it's clear the only, as day. The only Facebook audio calls I've ever had is like when you accidentally call me. Oh, okay. Or I accidentally call you. I know though that, um, and since you're an Android guy, this doesn't. I don't know if this applies to you with other Android callers, but iPhones. Uh, if you're bo- if you're talking to someone on an iPhone, mm-hmm. it uses, um, uh, I guess, part of the network. I don't know mm-hmm. what it's doing, but the the audio is clear. Yeah, well, they do have that on Android. Some phones come equipped with what's called HD voice, mm-hmm. um, and you can get that with certain people, but you have to have both have, like, really new phones. And... Yeah, the iPhone defaults to it now. It's like It was like the first time at work when I used a VoIP phone. You ever use Yeah. And you're like, man, this thing is way too clear. It's weird. It's like just it talking is. to someone. Yeah, it, no, the, those – and I wonder if that's an option, like if there's a caller that uses that. I don't know. Well, I mean, the the professional thing is an ISDN line, and that's what, like, people that do radio across the country do. But uh, that's so you're telling me that we can't get that set up? Oh, we could. We just have to pay a shitload of money for it. <laughs> it's just a dedicated phone line. That's what people like uh, 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 Mike Judge would use for King of the Hill, or, or oh, right, anything, yeah, you know, because he lives in Austin, he would record, you know, record the the audio at home and uh, even uh, you know, other people like uh, Harry Shearer famously does it for the Simpsons because he's such a bastard. I think we, did we talk about Harry Shearer on this show? Uh, I, I think like we it, did back when there was that contract dispute. Oh, I felt like we talked about it recently, but maybe I talked about that somewhere else. Anyway, um, it's literally phoning it in, like phoning the, your voice work in. So it's a cool thing. We had one at my old job, but because every time uh, we'd have to to get on, to record voiceovers with our voiceover guy, he was in somewhere else. I don't know if they do that that way anymore. They might just FTP everything. It's really, really kind of going the way of. It's only for live <laughs> stuff now. Man, I, I this is off topic, but I just got this email um, for it's like a so we get these press emails with like smaller distributors pushing their often crappy movies. Is this for South this by? Is, no, this is something different. Okay. Uh, this is for a movie called Frank vs. God. <laughs> and it stars uh, Henry Ian Cusick from Lost. Lost. He played Desmond. Yes. Here's the logline. It's a story of a man after his home is destroyed, and the insurance company declines coverage, deeming the destruction an act of God, decides to sue God himself. <laughs> I, I could see that being okay. That's like one of those things that pop up on Netflix, and you'd be like, oh, I'm going to check this out. It's on VOD March 7th. Maybe we should watch it. Hmm, I, can, I can get us a screener. I'm down. I, I'll, that'll be right in our uh, – we'll be buried in South By stuff then, though. We yeah. Have to, we have to review it early. That's true. Have you uh, gotten any South By screeners yet? Or no. I know it's bone dry. I've requested several. Uh, I got some that maybe might be coming, but um, so far, not so good. We're hopeful to see our pal Greg Sestero uh, at South By. 
Uh, yeah, that would be nice. We were uh, in. I know that he wants to do some stuff with us when the disaster artist finally comes out. We've we've been we're in preliminary talks to try to get him back in San Antonio to do. Um, the last time we talked, we were trying to get a, a full reading of the of the the room's original script. I do, um, I participated in that here with him. Um, I read uh, the part of uh, Paulette. Claudette. Claudette. I'm sorry. You're right. Claudette. It was a very, it's the part is even more bizarre in the original script. If yeah, you, if you're familiar with Claudette. She is uh, uh, has a few lines where she talks about just having cancer, mm-hmm. and like it gets blown off. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it, she's even more insane in the in the original script. Yeah, we've read a few. Um, we've read a few of the uh, of the pages from that script uh, in our in our events here, and they've gone over pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I would be excited to do the full thing, and and who knows, maybe we uh, we were able to provide some coverage on on the premiere here on this very show. We'll see. Speaking of our our pal Greg and our friends at Rift Tracks, they just released uh, a VOD of. Uh, with riffs of Greg's first, is it his first film? Um, uh, I think it was his first like major starring first major role. Major starring role uh, in Retro Puppet Master, and uh, you can download that from RiffTracks.com. I'm eager to see that. I haven't. Uh, I've never actually seen Retro Puppet Master. Retro Puppet Master, and I hadn't heard of it until I read The Disaster Artist. Uh, and Greg talked about getting the part because he. What is it? What's the language he speaks? French. French. There we go. I, like it was something weird. <laughs> what, is, what language is that? Yeah. So you can download that at uh, rifttracks.com. That was just released today. Wazoo. Oh, Oscar time. It's time to talk about Oscars. We don't have an intro for that. But yes, it is the weekend of, is this the 89th Academy Awards? That sounds about right. Let me see. Let me, let's look that up. Let's look. Yeah, it is. The 89th Academy Awards. The 89th Academy Awards. Uh, by the way, do you remember how long you've been watching the Oscars? Uh, you're way, you're way too, by the way, I already, I already know the answer to this. You're way too young. To yeah, this. probably. But uh, they, uh, uh, during the 70th Academy Awards, which, fuck, 20 years, almost 20 years ago now, they, uh, they did this thing on stage. And, you know, typically the things that, uh, that happen in between the awards that aren't musical numbers are death. Just TV death. <clears throat> and this one they did, they had every living Oscar winner from the past, like major category. Or I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It was like every living Oscar winner from the past 70 years on stage. And they literally introduced every single one of them. Jesus. <laughs> and they get through like three of them and you're like, oh, fuck, they're going to do every single one of these, aren't they? And I swear to God, it took like half an hour of screen of TV time. Uh, it was just brutal. Uh, but anyway, this is the uh, 89th annual Academy Awards uh, happening Sunday night, February 26th. And if indications are correct, this will be the night that La La Land dances away with everything. Um, but uh, we want to go. We want to give give our takes, our predictions on uh, some of the major categories. Uh, what do you want to start with? Should we start as the Oscars do with Best Supporting Actress? Uh, yeah. 
All right, best, yeah, let's do that. best Supporting Actress nominees are Viola Davis for Fences, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion, and Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures. Cody, who do you have? So this is the lock of the night. Um, you think every, so? This is the lock of the night? Yeah, this is – well, yes, yes, because every year there's one there's one lock that you just know for sure is going to happen. There's no question. And to me, to me, Viola Davis is a lock. Right, um, I agree. As, as locky as lock gets. Um, so, so to me, this isn't even remotely close. I think that she's going to win it pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really, really loved Michelle Williams, though, in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, uh, I, I liked Hidden Figures. I don't think we didn't review that on the show here, but I think it's kind of a lesser movie than some of these others. I agree. And, uh, I, you know, I, I still think it's a really good movie. I just think it's not as 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 powerful as some of these other ones. Um, that said, uh, Octavia Spencer's great in that, too. Um, I think if anyone deserves it beyond the two you've mentioned, it's probably Naomi Harris for Moonlight. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I, I mean, I, I would like to see Michelle Williams win as well, but um, but Viola Davis just has this thing locked down. So, um, yeah, that's the big lock of the night for me. I agree. All right, let's move on. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, first up, we have Maher, excuse me, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. Dev Patel for Lion, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, and Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. And see, I think personally this was the lock, but... Yeah, I mean, Mahershala Ali is going to win. Um, It's not as... So the reason I don't think it's a lock in that way is that Jeff Bridges is there, and um, that's the one person I think who could potentially unseat him, but I think that it's pretty well in his favor at this point. This is a really strong category, actually. It's one of the strongest categories, especially in the acting department, because you've got a bunch of really good roles. Like, Jeff Bridges is great. Lucas Hedges was the thing that kind of kept that movie going, I thought. Um, and then, of course, Michael Shannon just absolutely steals Nocturnal Animals. Yes, the, um, only, the only good part about that movie, I thought. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think about that, but he is the best part about that movie. And well, he's I mean, he's he's really great in that. So Dev Patel's fine in, in Lion, but um, I think Mahershala Ali probably has this. I mean, I would say like ninety percent wrapped up. Is that how you say it, Mahershala? Yeah, I was always saying Mahershala, but I'd never heard it pronounced before. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, something uh, uh, technical. How do they go? Do, uh, screenplays come next, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, best adapted screenplay. We've got Moonlight. Arrival, Fences, Lion, and Hidden Figures. What do you have? Um, I got Moonlight. Um, I think that um, that Moonlight is not going to win. It's 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 so when we're talking about movies that are most likely to win awards, there's the obvious favorite in all of these. But Moonlight is the one that's sort of sneaking in as the possible thing that's going to overthrow it. So I think this is where they recognize Moonlight as a film in, in screenplay. And we should say that 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 the kind of the rumor mill swelling in the last few weeks is that moonlight would be the one to overtake uh la la land right um but uh, again i'm with you i i think this is this is uh moonlights to lose um i could see uh you know maybe maybe something like hidden figures sneaking in to give this to give the movie some sort of recognition because it's been such a big hit 
Um, yeah. But uh, I, I really do think it's Moonlight's to lose. And again, let's not forget that this category is not safe because American Sniper won, I believe, uh, oh, yeah. best screenplay a couple years ago, which out, out of all the things of that movie, the screenplay was not <laughs> the thing that was <laughs> propelling it forward. So. Uh, okay, uh, next category, Best Original Screenplay. We have Manchester by the Sea, La La Land, Hell or High Water, The Lobster, and 20th Century Women. So those, there's, there's two things in there that, that I think are a little, uh, that are lesser. Um, well, like, uh, The Lobster's odd. Uh, and, and I didn't really care for 20th Century Women. So to me, it's a three-way race between Manchester by the Sea, La La Land, or, and uh, Hell or High Water. So what do you have? Yeah. Well, by the way, I think I messed up. I don't think American Sniper won Best Screenplay. There was something along the way that won that was kind of weird. Um, uh, let's. Let me, I'm gonna look that up while you tell me. So, um, yeah. So I think that um, you know, at this point, for sure, um, this is where they recognize Manchester by the Sea. Um, I, I, you know, the the thing is, especially this year, don't bet against anything that La La Land is nominated for. But I think that there are certain categories where they will recognize movies that they're like, well, this is was a really great movie, but we're not going to give it best picture. So let's find another category where we can recognize it. And I think that the the uh, the screenplay for Manchester is so rich and deep and emotional and um and, and unique that that it's going to be the one. I mean, this is a tough cat. This is a really tough category, actually, because, um, you know, this is where they could highlight something like Hell or High Water. Um, but again, Hell or High Water, the screenplay is good, but I think that's a it's the the direction of that movie is a lot better than screenplay. So I think that Manchester by the Sea takes this one. See, I I, I think this goes to La La Land, um, and I think that uh, I feel I feel Manchester by the Sea being shut out personally. Um, that's my biggest fear. I, I don't think it will be, but I think if if this swings to uh, La La Land, then you're looking at a shutout for Manchester by the Sea on anything big. Um, yeah, this I, is the only thing that Manchester has a shot at. So, yeah, well, uh, not, that's not entirely true. I, I think I think there's another one down the road personally that I I feel is is what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't I would not bet against La La Land on this. I feel like it should be Manchester by the Sea, and I uh, I can't count out Hell or High Water. I, I can see that as being the one thing that Hell or High Water wins. I don't I don't think they'll give it to Jeff Bridges. I think they might give this to Hell or High Water. Personally. Possibly. All right, let's move on to our next one. Uh, best actress. So uh, we've got Emma Stone for La La Land, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Meryl Streep for For Florence Foster Jenkins, Isabel Huppert for L, and Ruth Nega for Loving. Who do you got? Uh, yeah, I I have Emma Stone, and this is going purely on uh, precursors to the Oscars. Emma Stone won the SAG Award. Yeah. Um. I, it's a category where nobody on that list really jumps off the page to me this year. I think if I had a vote, I would go Natalie Portman um, for Jackie out of those people on that list. Let's be honest. This is a year where like it, like Rebecca Hall should be in this list exactly. for Christine. Yes, that's and, my biggest snub I think is Rebecca Hall. Yeah, and and I think just not enough people saw Christine because she gave the best performance of the year. So – it, it's kind of a category, you know, every year you have those categories where you have the snubs. And so the category lessens a little bit to you because there's someone who should clearly be there instead. And um, this year it's Rebecca Hall. So I think it goes to Emma Stone. Um, I don't think that it's something where it's I'm super enthusiastic about that. I don't really care one way or another 
for this particular category because because the person who should be there is not even nominated. So um, I'm just going based on precursors and things like that and say Emma Stone wins. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. Emma Stone wins. I like you. I like I said. I also agree that that Rebecca Hall should have been in this list. Um, I I think that uh, maybe maybe the only thing that 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 pops out to me as better is is Natalie Portman and Jackie. I think though that that Emma Stone. This is a real. Uh, you know, this is her coronation. This is like, this is, this is her Jennifer Lo, uh, Lawrence moment. I almost said Lopez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, this is when, uh, you know, after this is her second nomination after Birdman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is when she finally wins. Um, I, I think, I think it's, it's as locked as it can be for Emma Stone. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on to Best Actor. We have Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, Denzel Washington for Fences, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, and Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. This is the coin flip of the night. Um, This is truly the only one of the major categories that I feel could go either way. So it's a two-man race between Denzel and Casey Affleck. Right, I agree. And... um, it's so like it's so split because you know um like the way that the SAG award won uh, went I, I believe Denzel won the SAG award Denzel won the SAG award um which is uh you know usually a precursor usually a predictor for the Oscars but yeah but Casey Affleck won the BAFTA but Denzel was not nominated for the BAFTA so there's there's a weird kind of thing here and honestly this is the one that I'm going to go back and forth on until Oscar night um Smart wisdom, and if you look at the numbers and the predictions, says Denzel wins this one. Um, my gut says that Casey Affleck wins. So um, I truly don't know at this point. If you had to make me pick right now, and I won, I was, and it was in the interest of winning the contest, I would say Denzel. Yeah, um, I'm leaning towards that right now too. I, I think this is a this is a masterpiece performance from Casey Affleck. Uh, I don't think that that he's ever been better. Um, you know, there there was some some talk about uh, his attitude on that that shitty documentary he made. Uh, sort of, you remember the, with uh, Joaquin? Yeah, Phoenix, there was some uh, sexism sexism uh, talk, and I don't think that's torpedoed him. It doesn't feel no. like it's torpedoed him, but you know, I, I can see it waffling in my head. Um, I, I really think this is, this is Casey Affleck's award and I will be disappointed if he doesn't win, but uh, I can see it going to Denzel because that's an easy choice. Um, it is. And it's a very, I mean, it's a, it's adapted from a play. It's a very showy um, role for Denzel. Right. And, and it all depends. I mean, do you go with the showy role where it's, there's fireworks and there's Oscar scenes in it, or do you go with something like Casey Affleck's performance, which is subtle and nuanced where, and, you know, he, he may not necessarily be, um, showing it overtly, but there's there's something in his performance in every single scene that sh- shows pain, and you know, and, and yeah. you know, let's not forget it's a very sad, sad movie. Like it's yeah. not, it's not. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it's not really that <laughs> that uh, uplifting at the end. Like it doesn't end on a you know super down note, but it is very, very sad. Yeah. Anyway, and w- when I make my official pick, I may go back to Casey, um, just because I think that 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 maybe the Oscars will do the right thing here. Because out of this category, he does deserve to win. Yeah. Uh, so it just comes down to, 
do they give it to him? Do they give it to the more the showier performance from Denzel? I truth be told, I don't know right now. The experts have it at Denzel, um, but this is the true coin flip of the night. All right, let's move on to best director. We have Damien Chazelle, La La Land, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight, Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, Dennis Villanueva for Arrival. Did I say that right? He's. Fr- I think so. It sounds Spanish, even though he's French. Uh, and then Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. What do you think? Um, so this is where Moonlight flexes. I'm sorry, Moonlight. La La Land flexes its muscles and and really wipes everyone out. So I think that uh, Damien Chazelle becomes the youngest Best Director to ever win Best Director Oscar. How, how old is he? 32. God damn it. He's younger than me. Motherfucker. Yeah. So I, I think that – look, I mean – La La Land is a threat to win every single category it's nominated for. And and the thing about La La Land that's interesting is that it's nominated in a bunch of technical categories. So it's nominated for sound editing, sound mixing. It's nominated for production design, for costume design. I could see it taking all of those because what you have to remember is unless something really stands out, a lot of these technical awards will go to something that's nominated for Best Picture. Like that almost always right. happens with visual effects. Like if if you see a visual effects Oscar and one of them is best pick as a best picture nominee, pick it because it's going to win. Yeah. Uh. The interest. Interestingly enough, if he wins, um, he'll be the first not uh, first American to win since Catherine Bigelow for Hurt Locker. Wow. It's uh, been Tom Hooper, uh, Michael Hazavinkis. I can I don't know how to say it, the director of the artist, then Ang Lee, Alfonso Cuarón, and then uh, Inaritu uh, doubled up the last two years. That's uh, super interesting. Yeah, uh, and then but even, make America great again, you know. <laughs> and then uh, even before that, it was uh, Catherine Bigelow. If you go, Catherine Bigelow is the only American since uh, two thousand nine, because uh, Danny Boyle won in two thousand nine for Slumdog Millionaire. So mm, take those right. Oscars back, Damien. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think this is uh, Damien Chazelle's to lose. Um, I don't I don't foresee a split at all this year. Um I know No, not this year. Uh we had one with uh did we have we had one last year with uh with Revenant and um Spotlight winning Best Picture. Yeah, well it's happened quite a few times because it also happened with Argo winning Best Picture and Ang Lee winning Best Director. Oh, and yeah. then it uh, also happened with Steve McQueen winning uh losing Best Director and Twelve Years a Slave winning right. uh Best Picture. I don't remember who it didn't, and, and with the Quaron year was where he won, but Gravity, Gravity didn't win Best yeah, Picture. Yeah, Gravity didn't win Best Picture, but Quaron won. So it's been happening a lot lately. So I may have my directors and years mixed up because I think Argo was the same year as Gravity, but I could be wrong about that. No, Argo was uh, 2013, I think. Okay. Let me let me look that up. Uh, so so anyway, something that I was thinking could happen back before you know before the La La Land thing really kicked up was I actually thought that there might be a split with Chazelle winning. Um, director and Moonlight winning Best Picture for a while, I thought that's what was going to happen. Right. Um, but I, this year, I don't think so. So Argo won in two, 2013. Uh, Ang Lee won for Life of Pi as director that year. And then 2014, okay. uh, Quaron, won, Quaron won for Gravity, but 12 Years of Slave won Best Picture. Um, yeah, it looks like it hasn't happened in a while. Um, well, not in a while. Well, we had our split Birdman. last year. Right. And then Birdman won... Birdman was the one uh, non-split in the last five years. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, but, but it's important to remember that prior to that, the split rarely ever happened. It had only happened a handful of times in the history of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, I, I think if anybody, if anybody right now is going to, to, to unseat Chazelle, it's going to be Barry Jenkins. Interesting, but, because I don't agree with that. Really? Who do you I think, think it's Mel Gibson. God, I don't know. I don't know that he's, I, I don't know that he's served his time. I don't know either, but the fact that that movie got nominated for the amount of stuff that it did, the fact that Mel Gibson's even in the picture, true, as opposed to putting a number of other directors in there, um, really says a lot. Like they could have easily put David McKenzie in for Hell or High Water, um, and they went with Mel Gibson. They could have put Scorsese in for Silence. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that could happen there, but Mel Gibson is somehow in there. So um, honestly, I think that's the one person who could unseat him. I, I don't think that Moonlight is really seen as a directorial kind of spectacle. Um, that, that's so, where, that's what I'm thinking the split would happen personally. Yeah. I, I don't think La La Land's losing best picture to Moonlight, but no, um, I, but, but I don't think, I don't think that Chazelle is losing because this is a singular vision. Usually those singular vision movies, uh, are are they're and they're this well acclaimed they're they're hard to beat you know something, right, absolutely something like uh you know uh uh the artist uh or braveheart or whatever was was you know that's that's one guy's thing or uh or birdman or the uh well the revenant lost but anyway uh, all right, let's move on to the last one. Best picture. We have Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Heller High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. And I think we, uh, we've we already said several times what we think, but go ahead. It's going to be La La Land. Um, the only, Again, the only thing that could possibly unseat it at this point is Moonlight, and it just doesn't have the momentum. Um, now, there's been a lot of backlash towards... Um, La La Land within the past few weeks. Um, you know, you, you even see articles that say La La Land is propaganda. Like that's one that's a headline that's popped up a lot on Twitter and stuff, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. I haven't but, seen that one, but yeah. And, and there's a lot of stuff that where it's talking about sort of revisionist history where Ryan Gosling is talking about white people and jazz and stuff like that. Um, but, but here's the thing, like it's, Here's the thing that I always tell people about the Oscars, and it's and it's as true as I can possibly think, is you never bet against a movie that is about the entertainment industry. Right. Because that is that is the ticket to winning your best picture. Because if you look back, Birdman is about the entertainment industry. Argo is about the entertainment industry. The artist is about the entertainment industry. And uh, you know, those that's just within the past like five years. So um, you've got a movie that's about music. It's about musicals. It's a, it's a, it's people call it a throwback. I don't really know. It sort of ditches its musical idea midway through the movie anyway. But um, I, I definitely think that this is, this is uh, a, one that's not even up for debate. I think it's going to cruise to best picture and um, in, in, in may end up taking all but maybe one or two of the awards it's nominated for the entire night. Now, I, I was I was really fond of La La Land. I was I found it to be delightful. Um, I know you weren't quite as high on it as I it was, was in my top 10. I mean, it was number six on my top 10. I liked it. Was, it. it was number two for me. So um, that's where I'm drawing my comparison from. Uh, um, I know that the backlash is real. Um, you know, it, it's you know a movie is really connecting with I, I it hasn't been a huge hit or anything 
but it's connecting with with people that that have like a creativity side into in their personality and you know that's why they're judging it harshly or or falling in love with it or whatever um i i really liked it and i it's one of those oscar those uh best picture winners like those locks that i can firmly get behind i still think manchester by the sea is is a better movie but i'm fine i'm totally fine with la la land walking away with this do you think uh you 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 think there's any surprise in this list at all? Any surprise waiting? Um, not really. Um, the only so the surprises sometimes come in the supporting actor categories. If any surprise happens, I think it's probably going to happen in supporting actor. You think Jeff Bridges? Um, maybe Jeff Bridges. Yeah, maybe Jeff Bridges. Maybe um, uh, yeah, maybe Jeff Bridges. That's that would that would be my one chance for super surprise in this whole thing and then actually maybe um maybe isabel huppert for l for best see, actress see my my biggest fear for best best actress is just meryl streep again yeah that's true i mean i i, I can i can vision it envision it happening um because i i feel like uh that's just again like denzel it's just so easy to do it's a, it's an easy vote for an oscar voter um, I don't think that'll happen, but I can, it's one of those things I can picture happening. Uh, any other things you want to talk about, uh, Oscar wise before we wrap this up? No, I think that's pretty much covers it. I think that it's, it's going to be a pretty predictable night. Um, I think you're going to expect to see a lot of La La Land happening. And I think you're going to see stuff like hidden figures shut out. Um, you know, something that has a lot of nominations, but isn't going to quite make any noise. Um, I hope that it's not heavy on the fences stuff with Denzel and Viola. I would be fine if Viola was the only person from that movie who won. Um, but, but just if La La Land's nominated in the category, expect it to win. Right. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. This week we have Get Out. I want to tell you. What? I got hypnotized last night. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. Oh, yo, yo, yeah, yeah, to quit smoking, but it was Rose's mom's and psychiatrist, so... Bruh, I don't care if the bitches are Yana Von Zant, okay? She can't fix my motherfucking life. You ain't getting in my head. I know she called me off guard, right? But it's cool, because I'm cured. It worked. Bruh, how you not scared of this, man? Look, they could have made you do all types of stupid shit. They'd have you fucking barking like a dog, flying around like you're a fucking pigeon, looking ridiculous, okay? Or, I don't know if you know this, White people love making people sex slaves and shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not a kinky sex family, dog. Look, Jeffrey Dahmer was eating the shit out of niggas' heads, okay? But that was after he fucked the heads. Do you think they saw that shit coming? Hell no. Okay? And thanks for that image right there, man. Hey, man, I ain't making this shit up. I saw on a and man. It's real life. Yo, and it's the black people out here, too. It's like all in Mr. Movement. Because <laughs> they probably hypnotized. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. A young African-American man visits his white girlfriend's mysterious family estate. That sounded like you needed more, but that's it. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> it? That's the entire synopsis? Sorry. Uh, yeah, a young African-American man visits his white girlfriend's mysterious family estate. I, I just, my diction was wrong on that, so. Uh, okay. Anyway, well, uh... <laughs> what'd, you th- what'd you think of Get Out, Cody? Uh, so, it, first of all, it's important to note that this movie is, um notable right now because as of 
a few minutes ago, and I'm checking up on this right now, and it still is. It is at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes with 130 positive reviews and zero negative reviews. Yes. I believe it is the only live-action movie in the history of Rotten Tomatoes to have 100%. Um, is that so true? That's what I read. I read that it's the first live-action movie to ever have over – I'm sorry, over 100 reviews and no negative reviews. Okay. It, I, I don't know why that it is that highly regarded. I think that it's fine. Um, I would have given it a positive review, so I wouldn't have been the one asshole who knocked it down if I was on Rotten Tomatoes. But, um, you know, to me, it it, it, it is a movie that is, is sort of um, – it has it has of course the racial uh the racial undertones or overtones oh and undertones we'll go, i don't we'll go. think it's undertones but overtones it, i it mean it's ra- it's a it's a very racial story like, I, mean, I guess we should start by saying this is uh the the unique hook to get into this before you know anything about the movie is it's written and directed by jordan peele uh of the duo the comedy duo key and peele uh, known for their sketch show Key and Peele, and then last year's really not very good Keanu movie. So this is this is a horror movie. I guess you would call it a thriller, psychological thriller, with yeah, some comedy. Say, yeah, and um, uh, it's a it's a film where I, I think that it it's sort of um for me personally takes a little while to get going. Um, and I have a lot of issues with some, like, I, I mean, admittedly, I'm not the biggest horror fan out there, but I, I think that, that a lot of horror movies play their mysteries a little bit too close to the vest for too long. And I feel like this kind of meandered a little bit until getting to the point. And then once it got, and, and you can see kind of where they're going with it. And it's actually a pretty clever idea. And then it somehow turns, uh, you know, once it makes its turn, and uh, you see exactly where it's going. It 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 gets a, for me a little bit generic in that it kind of takes the horror movie tropes and runs with them a little bit. Um, so I don't know if there's anything there that really makes it transcendent in that sense. I mean, it's well done. It's it's better executed than ninety percent of horror movies, especially given the fact that it takes similar um, paths to get to the point. Um, I don't know that anything to me particularly stands out. I didn't really think that it's that the humor is that good. I mean, uh, what's his name? The the comedian in the we, movie. We play the clip from that. It's uh, Lil Rel Howery. Yes, he's great. He's he's the best part of the movie, um, and it's super funny. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't know that it hits as a satire as hard as it intends to. At least for me. So um, I think that it's fine. I think that it's an above-average horror movie. I don't think that it's much else. See, I, I disagree with you. I thought it, I was I was delighted with this thing from beginning to end. Uh, you know, I, I I don't disagree that it falls back on the the horror movie tropes a little bit, but I, I think it rescues that by being genuinely funny. Um, like you mentioned, Lil Rel Howery is funny. Uh, he plays the, the main character's best friend and he basically is riffing the entire film. Uh, but then there's some really, some really brutal gallows humor. Um, and I don't know if you, if you remember what I'm talking about, if you remember this plot point, I won't spoil what goes around it, but (laughs) this is just, hold on. I just, a tangent. 
Did you notice all the Microsoft products in this movie? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I have a Surface uh, tablet like he has, and he's the main character's using it on a bed, like look, sitting on his lap. Fuck, look, man. Nobody has a Windows phone. <laughs> I know. I know. But... And yet everybody in this movie has a Windows phone. It is, And maybe that's like the bizarro world that it lives in. Like... Maybe. Maybe. But there's a... Uh... There's a scene where he's typing on a, a Surface tablet, and there's no way you can use a Surface tablet on your lap like that. I've been talking to you about that, about wanting yeah. a, a firm keyboard. For, anyway, but there's a scene. Uh, it's a it's a wordless scene uh, at a with a character near the climax of the film, and this character performs a Bing search. Yeah, and it was the theater I was in was fucking cackling like crazy. Uh, because yeah. of how dark it was and how funny at the same time it was. Um, I, I, I think yeah. that's where the movie really pays off for me. Um, that is, that is a good joke. That was the, that <laughs> it was, was a, the best that joke is a fucking solid, uh, like, like sick joke. Uh, and, and I think that that's where it benefits, um, you know, in that it's really legitimately funny at times. Um, I think even beyond uh, Little Rail Howery's character, uh, you know, there's th- I don't I don't I don't really know how to put my finger on it. I'm not a big fan of horror either. So when it gets to the you know to to the main crux of what's actually happening, you know, I'm not really it's not really that innovative or anything. But I think it 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 has enough. St- uh, style to it and enough attitude to it that it's able to coast past those things and end up really enjoyable to me. Um, I, I don't think there's any performances other than, as we mentioned, Little Rail Howery that really stand out, but I think it's solid all the way through. Um, you know, I, I, there's a, it has a lot to say uh, about race, not necessarily overtly, uh, at every time, but there is a lot of, uh, of, uh, you know, racial tension in the film in a, in a not so explosive way. Like I'm thinking of the scene near the beginning and this has uh, been out there already where, uh, they, uh, they're on the way to, to the parent's house and they hit a deer and the police officer asks for his ID basically just because he's black, you know, nothing right. happened. So it's things like that, that, that are in the movie uh, that, that aren't, you know, it's not really about race, but race does play a part in it. Um, and I guess to a certain extent, it might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a commentary on like, uh, I don't know. At, at times it's like, like white liberal guilt and then, uh, yeah. Well, also, I think the toe that you line between uh, the uh, the line that you tow with uh, with coming off as racist too. Right. I think right. There's a lot exactly. about that in there. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I, you know, without giving away, I think it, it without giving anything away, I think it it approaches the that uh, in a way that's not necessarily as monstrous as you might think. But it still has an undercurrent of uh, of racial tension to it. I, I I really enjoyed the movie, so that's really the bottom line for me. Um, you know, I I wonder I wonder what Jordan Peele has in him after this. You know, because I don't see him as a horror director full time. 
but uh but i think i mean this is this is a debut film from from a, a guy that's established already but a debut film and i think it's it's very 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 solid you know uh for a yeah, genre well, no, he's I mean, not really known for assuming that this thing sells and i don't know that it will i don't know what the box office is going to be it has the critical attention to where he's going to get to do whatever he wants now did he already have that coming off of Key and Pill? Probably, which is probably how this movie got made to begin with. Right. But, sure. but, um, but if this is as successful with audiences as it is with critics, uh, you know, he's going to have free reign to do whatever he wants. I, uh, I, I imagine I was talking to some some coworkers today who were eager to see it, and I imagine this being a big hit. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a smash hit, but this is going to be a solid hit. Yeah, they're projecting right now between 26 and 28 million, which for an R-rated horror is pretty good. Yeah, so I, I think this is going to be a solid hit for for uh, that. And I, I don't, as good as Key and Peele was and as well-regarded as it was, I don't think it ever really broke through to major mainstream. Um, maybe that's just me. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I never saw it as kind of transcendent or anything like, you know, Chappelle's was, show or something. It was pretty popular. It was pretty popular. Yeah. I, Especially I, virally, viral videos uh, or like online versions of stuff really took off. I know what a viral video is, Cody. Well, maybe some of our listeners don't. <laughs> All right, I'm not explaining to you. What's your grade? Uh, I'm going with B minus. Uh, I'm going with a B plus. I really liked it. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last segment. No ticket required. Find a comfy spot on the couch and welcome to No Ticket Required. Now this is our home release segment. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon, Crackle. Um, <laughs> what's that one that's for like film snobs? Oh, uh, where all the film Criterion Spark. went to? What is it? Film Spark, film I believe. Spark. I don't remember. Film Spark, uh, wherever the, all the Criterion stuff went to. Or sometimes good old fashioned DVD and Blu ray. And this week, what do you have for us, Cody? Uh, this week is uh, a movie that we've talked about a little bit on this uh, on this show today, but never in full. Is uh, Moonlight? Let's go uh, and play. Let's go and play a clip from that. What do you say? Oh, okay. What happened? Huh? What happened, Chiron? Why you didn't come home like you're supposed to? Huh? And who is you? Nobody. I found him yesterday. Found him in a hole on 15. Yeah, that one. Some boys chased him in the cut. He scared more than anything. He wouldn't tell me where he lived till this morning. Well, thanks for seeing to him. He usually can take care of himself. He good that way. So, uh, as we were talking about before, nominated for a lot of Oscars, uh, probably the only thing with any kind of potential to unseat La La Land, uh, the juggernaut of La La Land right now. Uh, you want to tell us what the movie's about? Well, the movie is sort of a – it follows like a three-act structure telling the story of, um, I guess, the how, – how would you explain it? Kind of like the awakened sexuality and – and repressed sexuality of um, a gay uh, 
it, well, it starts off as a boy up into an adult. I I, um, I would say something like, um, you know, the 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 coming of age of a of a young black gay boy into manhood, while also reckoning, you know, the society with the society that he lives in. You know, the yeah the uh, kind yeah. of you know drug dealing society. It's in Miami, mm-hmm. um, and it's based on a play. Um, I believe it's called Black Boys Look Blue in the Moonlight. Is that what it's called? Oh, I I don't know. Let me look that up. I believe that's the title. There's a. Yeah. Uh, let me see what. Uh, let me see what that is. You can keep talking while I'm looking this up. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty basic film in that it, it's sort of a, a a story in the life of these different sections, and it's cut up into three sections where he's um, a pretty young child, a teenager, and then an adult. Pardon me, um, pardon me. It's called "In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue." Oh, okay. Is the is the uh, is the uh, play that it's based on? Yeah. So, um, it's it's a it's a first of all, it's a really great movie. Um, it was number three on my list uh, this mine year. Too, mine too. Yeah, and um, you know, the first thing that stands out about the movie that you'll notice is someone that we talked about again with, which is Mahershala Ali. Um, who plays a drug dealer uh, in the first act of the movie where Chiron, who is the main character, um, sort of finds himself attached to – and the first person to kind of really accept Chiron from the really nasty living environment he's been living in. And he's sort of taken him by him and and, and, um, and Janelle Monet, who plays his girlfriend. Um, and uh, – he is he is so good. Mahershala Ali is so good in this movie. Um, like he's just mesmerizing the way that he is and behaves, and, and he's a presence. And something that's important to know about the movie is that he is only in the first third of the movie. Yeah, and you actually have to recover a little bit because you're like, where is this presence? And he's and and, and like it honestly does suffer just a touch that he's only in the first third because mm-hmm. you're really wondering where this super uh, magnetic character is yeah uh and and it should be said in the third act uh as with uh with chiron as a man the the first act is 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 called little the second act is chiron the third act is black uh, mm-hmm. and that's where he he's chiron is an adult and he's he's essentially a doppelganger of uh of juan in uh yes in in the first act so the character, yes. the character's, you know, traits resonate later through the film, but that he's not there is, I agree, a, a, a slight downfall for the film. But it is to it is to the strength of the film itself that it that it ultimately overcomes it because I think that the the second bit is the least effective, but the third bit is really really great. Yeah. Um. As well, the third act of the movie where with Chiron as an adult. Where he's sort of um, meeting someone from his past. Um, One of my favorite little things in in the whole film is him uh, is 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 Chiron. Uh, well, you know, uh, as an adult, as black, essentially is his street name. Is when he's sitting down to eat the meal that the mm-hmm. character pre- prepares for him, and he he takes out his his grill. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just one of my favorite little gestures in a, in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of this like falling, you know, like this taking a part of a, of a character 
Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. As 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 he's taking out the facade that he's built up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, and so, uh, it's a really great movie. It's well written. It it actually took me by surprise how good it was when I saw it in the theater months and months and months ago. Um, God, it's been like three the, months since I saw. It. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so it's it's the one threat to La La Land this coming Sunday for the Oscars. It's not going to win, but um, it's a very progressive, um, important movie, I think, that's, that is is really turning a lot of heads. And it was super low budget. I mean, um, I'm going to look it up because I, I remember seeing that, like, it because it, it has, what, like eight Oscar nominations or something like that? Oh, I don't know how many it has total, but... Uh, it I'm- has... Um, Six nom uh, no, it has eight nominations. Yeah, eight nominations, and it was made for like five million dollars. And like we said, it's based on a play, um, and, and you know it's set in like the like the ghetto of Miami, which is an odd setting. It's not a place you normally see. And you know this is a this is a story of a of a young black man uh, who's gay, uh, and it doesn't. You know, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, it's powerful, but it doesn't feel pandering. No. Um, as sometimes these things can, you know, when it's talking, when it's talking about a social issue. Well, and um, I think that, that it, that like you kind of alluded to earlier, it deals with sexuality in, in how it can be repressed or, or, or something else put up as a result of environment, of race, of, you know, social norms yeah. yeah yeah and so it, it really explores that uh in in ways that are you know you see it in different stages and i think that's especially where it really excels in the third act where there's a confrontation that happens not a confrontation it, it's more of a encounter that happens um that really drives home that point um and i think it's just so well done and, and it's you know coming out on blu-ray on tuesday so you know you've got the uh, so you you have a chance to see it um, after the award shows. It's also still playing in theaters. A couple I know the Bijou here is still showing it even after home release. Yeah. Um, and, but um, you know yeah. it has uh, in, in that third act. One, you know, I, like you said, uh, the the mo- the most powerful act is the first with Mahershala Ali uh, and even uh, um, Naomi Harris, who they have a dynamic with one another and they play a, a scene, essentially a scene you've seen. You feel like you've seen a million times in movies like this, where someone yeah. takes in a young kid and it doesn't play the way you expect. No, not at all. And especially knowing what you know about Mahershala's character. Yeah. And to see this sort of interesting personality and warmth that he has. But And there's there, what? Oh, I was going to go ahead. Finish up. Well, and just there's there's just that really iconic scene in this movie, and that happens in like the ocean. That's just like this great scene. Yeah, that's that's so you know it's so metaphorical, and 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 especially and it especially comes out as a as a metaphor at the end in the third act is where it really comes for a full circle. But then there's there's a another another part of the third act that I really loved was there's a um, there's an encounter that that Sharon has with. Uh, uh, someone from his past. Uh, is it's a phone call, right? I forget in the initial encounter. Is that what it is? Yes, it's a mm-hmm. phone call, and he's he uh, he's in Atlanta at this point, 
and this this person calls him and he's like hey st- whenever you're in town stop by and he literally drives overnight to see yeah. this person and and i thought that was i mean it's 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 a, it's such a, it's such an insight into the character that's at this point this massively muscular, uh, scary drug dealer, uh, and just how it the right person makes him crumble essentially it makes all that crumble away. Yeah, I know it. It cuts through the facade that he's in this in this new identity that he's built from, and it cuts into him in ways that he's not necessarily expecting. Yeah, which is which is the great way of how he of how uh, I believe that I can't remember the actor's name. I think it's like Trevante Jackson. I think is his name. Um, uh, let me look him up. Let me look him up. Go ahead. Or Trevante Rhodes, excuse me. Um, Trevante Rhodes, um, and he plays he plays it in such a way where he's like. He is he's able to show how shocked and surprised he is, and yet he has reluctance, but yet you can see that he's that the wheels are turning. Yeah. And I think that it's it's just a testament to how good the acting is across the board in this entire movie. Like it's it's so well acted and well performed. It's well written, it's well made, the story's great. Um, and it's just all around a really, really good movie. And someone like Naomi Harris, again, like I mentioned, doesn't play the plays a part that you feel like you've seen a million times. Uh, but it doesn't go that way. It doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a really great movie. Um, so that's going to be out on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday, February 28th. Great movie. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Next week. What is even happening next week? Logan, which oh, we yeah, already covered. Oh, yeah, Logan. We already covered Logan. Go back and listen to episode 95. So yeah. we're taking um, a week off, huh? Yeah, because the only other thing is The Shack, and then also Before I Fall are oh. the other openers next week. Uh, I may or may not see Before I Fall. I know there's a screening on Saturday. I don't know if I can make it, but uh, I don't think that they're screening The Shack for us. So, uh, yeah, next week, go ahead and go back and listen to our uh, review of Logan. That's episode 95 with our special guest, James Roberts. Yeah. Um, Good episode. I, he, he fit in pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Logan, um, with no spoilers, it's friggin' great. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Logan, Logan sets the bar for this year, and I, I've, like, I, I've been thinking about it more and more. First of all, I can't wait to see it again. I'm going to see it again maybe that maybe next Thursday, if not Friday. Um. It is um, it, it is a potential stay in the top ten all year type of movie what, for sure. What do you think realistically the chances are that you're talking that we're talking about Logan for Oscars next year? Uh man, I think it's largely going to depend on box office and. Um, in critical acclaim, the thing that's going to hurt it is it's coming out so early. Yeah. Um, now, if you see it, if if they do like a, re, if they hold the DVD back a little while, and maybe they do like a, a release and a limited release in like September or October, then maybe. But I just don't think that it has like even if it came out in the summer, it would have a better chance. Sort of like the Dark Knight snuck in, and I I think this might be better than the Dark Knight. I don't know. I um, I, I don't. I don't agree with that. I think it's well. I think it's close, and I think it's a toss-up. Honestly, um, yeah, it it is close, and I think that I think we were talking about this. I don't know if I actually said it on the show, but I think that it has less faults than The Dark Knight does, and mm, I think that it's a a bigger swing than The Dark Knight was. 
I don't. Um, I don't know about that. I, I do. There are bum moments in the Dark Knight. I I fall asleep when Batman's testing the bullets. Uh, yeah, and his stupid night vision thing is. I, I really don't like that. Oh, the plot. sonar thing. I love yeah. the sonar thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, look. I think. I think the the problem with the Dark Knight, looking back, is that any scene that doesn't have Heath Ledger in it is sort of you're like, I this guy needs to come back in, immediately. The 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 uh, Harvey Dent stuff with Aaron Eckhart is a little tacked on at the end. It, well, it's not only tacked on, but the the transition for me was way too quick. Well, yeah. Anyway, I, I still think it's a fantastic movie, and I think it's probably the best comic book movie ever. But Logan is right up there. I, I personally, I don't feel like it's uh, it's got any real shot at this point. Yeah, uh, I, so. I can see though, I can see a best supporting actor for Patrick Stewart, but like a long shot one. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that has realistic potential for because because I feel like with that I feel like they want to honor him, you know, like he's an old guy. It's been a long good. It's been a long great career, you know. And people who are calling this like the pinnacle of that career too. This this his performance yeah. in this movie, which which is a, saying a lot from a guy who's been around forever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, again, go see Logan next week. Then come back and listen to our episode or listen to it beforehand. There, we clearly delineate where the spoilers are. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to take a week off after that. But but you can still listen to us. And then after that, uh, we got Kong Skull Island the next week. And then we're right in the fucking mix of South By. Yeah, which is always an interesting time for us. Yeah. All right. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at 920-FILM-210. That's 920-3456-210. Find us on Twitter at CineSnob. Facebook at CineSnob Critic. Um, me, I'll probably be at the Torchies down the street at some point this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is that a surefire thing? I don't know. I went to Torchies the other day. Um, it's too close to my house, man. It's too goddamn close to my house. Yeah. Uh, I'll go there and do some writing sometime, but it's too close to my house. Yeah. Anyway. And the, it's a double whammy because the Girl Scouts are selling cookies out front right now. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's Luckily, I've been able to avoid it because I can just go like, oh, my niece is selling them, which is a true fact. But did your, uh, did your sister ever do Girl Scouts? Your sister's quite a bit younger than you. Yeah. I don't think that she did. Um, not that I can ever recall. Um, and I think she's past the age at this point now, but anytime I see a, a, a girl scout selling cookies that like, you look like you might you think be of Corky a... Romano. <laughs> God, no. Like, I'm like you, one that looks old. I'm like, get out of here. I'm not yeah. buying from somebody who's almost a teenager. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're too old to be doing this. You should be on Snapchat or whatever. Exactly. Do these days. Um, you should be watching Vine celebrities. Oh, Vine's gone. That's that's the one thing that was always so confusing to me. Like when we would go to Comic Cons and stuff, was P- there would be like Vine celebrities. That was like, only what? ever at that one Wizard World that happened at San in San Antonio. Oh, really? I've never seen it since then. Okay, it was, yeah, it was weird. Like just four generic teenage boys. That I mean, I didn't know they were going to be there, and I showed up there, and I was like, what? in the fuck are all of these like 10 to 14 year old girls doing here? There is no one back here. They like, are they here for William Shatner or fucking Bruce but, Campbell? Like, what are they here for? 
But there was there is a Netflix series out there that is based on a Vine celebrity, like a kid. Vine God damn celebrity. it! If fucking that can get. God damn it! I need to finish my goddamn script. I need a fucking Netflix series. If a fucking Vine star can get a Netflix series, it's a reality show. I don't care what it is. If it's a, it's if called they're... Chasing Cameron, and it's about <laughs> it's about it's about Cameron Dallas. They are he... fucking throwing money at shit. And I mean, like, it doesn't matter what it is. I saw fucking Tracy Morgan is getting a stand-up special on Netflix. And I love Tracy Morgan in uh, 30 Rock, but I think his stand-up is not very good. <laughs> I don't know if you I, agree. I don't even know if I've heard it. I've tried to watch it several times, and I just don't. It's it's not, I don't know. He's playing, like, the the dumb, you know, character he plays, but. I don't I just, I, like if look, I get it. He's a name. I get it. But like some of the other shit you find on that it's an original series. Like, man, they just throw, throw money at stuff. It doesn't even matter. This, which is why I'm a little upset with the mystery science theater 3000 thing, but yep, that's another, another, uh, podcast altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But speaking of, we should have, we should have made a damn Legion podcast. We got to, we got to try that experiment. Ah, of- fuck. Yes, you're right. Of jumping on a podcast for a show from the get go and see if we can get any traction from it. And we should have called it Legionnaire's Disease. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> yes. Too bad uh, we didn't have one for like This Is Us where we're just like. <laughs> I I have seen so many people get weepy over that, and I have yet to see a single episode. Yeah, and we could have, we could have just called it This Is Us talking This Is Us <laughs> or something. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the next big Netflix thing coming out? Uh, see, uh, we could have jumped on the fucking. Fist. We could have jumped on the fucking Santa Clarita diet. Yeah, we could have um, done that. We could have done. Uh, uh, yeah, we could do iron. I don't want to do Iron Fist because I'm way behind on that shit. Well, we got to find the sleeper hit. Like, if we would have jumped on Stranger Things, we would have be millionaires right now. I know we'd be fucking traveling to comic cons all over the country right now. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. We need it. We need something where we can get screeners in advance and then record in advance, so we can release it like day of. Oh man! Take. Are you taking notes? <laughs> That's a great idea. Do they re- would they release screeners for the whole thing? Yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck. Hmm. So let's uh, let's find let's do some research and find out what's in the pipe, and then. Uh... Or we could just do what everyone else does and just like the 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 like the podcast that watched old episodes of Full House and was like number one on iTunes. I forever. tried to I tried to listen to that and it was awful. Just because I wanted to see what the you know you know you know what premise... we should do. Maybe this is a conversation we should have off topic, but we we've both been talking about rewatching The Office. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe so. Cover like three to four episodes at a time. I. I was briefly into, and I don't know if it's still happening, uh, Kumail Nanjiani's The X-Files Files. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the formatting got a little weird because they started like dropping in commercial breaks and stuff, but uh, it was uh, it was very uh, very fun for a little while. I wonder if The Office has the rewatchability that most people would like. I mean, I, I know it has the rewatchability, but if anybody would be interested. I don't know. It may be too much of like a background noise type of show that that you can't really dig into in the same way that you could uh something like an hour-long drama or something like that uh but i don't know there was a new show that launched on um 
Amazon today uh, that we could have done. What, what's that one? Um, it's called. Um, there's an ad for it here. I, I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like it's got to be uh, uh, Netflix because it has the the uh, Patriot. Oh yeah, it has the biggest uh, footprint out there. Because everybody yeah. has it. Anyway, we'll figure it out one of these days. But until then, I think we're done here, right? Yeah, we're done. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit CineSnob.net. See you next week.